Here's my word that I prepared earlier. Um, I'm just going to take a drink, if you don't mind. Um, the way that... Can you feel in the atmosphere like the liveness of the, of, of the heavens? It's like the, the atmosphere of the mountain. And that's anyone who knows me or has, you know, at, at Luminate or heard me preach before knows that I have a bent towards the mountain and the atmosphere there and the glory there. And um, that's exactly what I'm going to be talking about again today from a different vantage. Um, and that spirit, you know, that victorious kind of like uh, overcoming spirit that you can feel in the room is exactly what I'm talking about today. I'm going to talk about colonising the earth and taking territory for the kingdom of heaven. Um, <laughs> and I know that colonising is probably not the most comfortable word of the season in our culture, and I'm not going to speak to any of that, but that whole reality, thank you, of, oh yeah, that's, here we go. I'll help you. We'll do it this way. Um, that whole reality, if you just don't mind me, <laughs> and Daryl, <laughs> that'll do. You're all good. Um, what was the last thing I just said? Of colonising. Yeah, that, that feel of when a kingdom comes and, like I said, I'm not speaking into the current context, but the, the, the reality of when a kingdom comes, uh, Britain is an example, Spain is an example, and usurps a culture and lands and establishes, I'm convinced that that's the mandate that we have to this dimension as opposed to escaping it and it being done away with. And I know Todd talks about that a lot. But it's going to be a bit of a machine gun sort of message with lots of Scripture because I want to frame up a reality from Scripture. And I'll, I'll circle around the same key point, but frame it up from different portions of Scripture to prove and sort of uh, put forward the case that um, we are sent to do that. And I've, I've pastored people before who have struggled with uh, connecting into destiny and mandate and assignment and I say, I've said to them before, if you just swallow yourself up in this bigger picture, you'll find yourself. If you lose yourself to this mandate, you're going to find it yourself and find your own specific mandates and assignments. So um, government is something I'm very personally passionate about. And I don't want you to confuse government with politics because they're not synonymous. And very often uh, government doesn't manifest through politics at all. It's very bureaucratic and it can be an end in a subculture unto itself, but many times it can. I have a personal call to that sphere of life. But government manifests through many, many, many different spheres. And as the church, we are posted to them to, to land government and change culture. Not everyone in this room is called to politics, but every single person in this room is called to govern and administrate the government of heaven. And I'm going to prove that. So, um, and then at the end, I'll probably just pray and we'll just again ascend into that mountain place um, and, and hopefully people will see visions and partake of parts of their scroll or assignment that they're called to go out into the world and land the kingdom of heaven. So the first scripture, if you can put it up, is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 to 4. Um, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier. You know what's really interesting for anyone who's doing Luminate School is that word soldier, if you drill down on it, uh, it's got a, an association with the word luminaries. How crazy is that? E-sword will fact check me, it's there. Um, you must endure, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus because no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Now, the word warfare 
if you can just leave it up for a second there, if you drill down on its meaning, it means to serve a military campaign, or it actually means to, to execute the apostolate. Now, apostolate, a group of apostles. Apostles are called sent ones. They're, they're posted to a particular region to spread and land something, right? So in that word warfare is that exact same language, that sort of association with being sent to a particular foreign place and tethering or landing something to it. Um, so we have a colonising mandate, deduced from that scripture. Next scripture. There's a lot in this one and I don't wanna take anything other than fight the good fight of faith, that top part. And I'm gonna circle back to that scripture at the end, but fight the good fight of faith, uh, not that one, fight the good fire. If you can put that one back up, thank you. Um, fight, two different words there, but they, they're linked to the same root. It means, crazily enough, the second fight there means to attach yourself to something, to lay a hold of something and bring it to a place. That's what it means. Fight that good fight. It, it actually uses um, the imagery of laying a hold of an animal, like getting a hold of it and bringing it to a station. So again, you've got that association in Scripture with going and attaching to something and then bringing it and landing it in a place. So fight the good fight of faith. And I'm going to come back to the word faith at the end because it's super important um, for, for landing the kingdom. Faith, while we think of it, it as like belief, trust, etc., those words are thrown in there. It actually means having allegiance to a cause, almost like a soldier salutes a flag and has allegiance. That's what the, that's what the word, that's actually wrapped up in the word faith. But again, I'll come back to that. I'm painting the picture of the fact that we have a mandate to lay a hold of something and, and bring it. That's, that's, that's fighting. Um, can you put Matthew 10 verse 7? And this, this Daryl's unpacked this for me before, and I'd heard him say that as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that word at hand there, it, it means to join something to another, to another, to fasten something. Again, we've got three scriptures. I mean, there's so many, but I've picked three that speak of a mandate to lay a hold of something, like essentially up here and fasten it here, to usurp something else. Um, and that is, that is what colonising is. Um, if I actually, you can take that down, but if I, the, root, the, the word colonise, the English word, its definition is literally to send settlers to a place and to establish political control over it. So there's um, scriptures I'll talk about at the end that talk about the, the heroes of the faith attaching to their homeland. So they, they could have gone back, but they, they, they didn't because they desired a better homeland. And it's that, which I'm going to, to frame up in greater detail that we have to attach to that culture. I've talked from this stage before about that being our flag, our nation, our values. We ascend into that place and fasten and, and lay, a hold of, lay a hold of it to bring it here and actually spread it to this dimension. We have to have a bigger vantage of our time here than I'm gonna have a, a good life, I'm gonna try and get some inner healing and then I'm gonna go home. We have to like expand our perspective of why we exist. Because there's a, and it makes you wake up, you know, not hopeless. I've, I've been through seasons where you just wake up grey and hopeless. If you attach to this, that dissipates. Because you're aware that you're, you're posted. It's like I, I work for someone who, uh, worked for a senator who served in Afghanistan and he was telling me about his posting there. You're just on the whole time. You're on. Like you know you're posted and you're there to execute a mission, to land something. Um, 
And that's what we're born to do. So we have to expand our vantage to understand, okay, I'm not just here to pass time, have a good life, pay off my mortgage, you know, get married, whatever. All those things can be part of your scroll and they're great if they are, but we have to actually land and infiltrate this dimension. That has to be the vantage. Um, can you put up, and this is epic, this scripture, everyone knows it, but, uh, uh, and, and this was kind of the spirit, in the, in the, in the, when Daryl was singing that song, I got this scripture, um, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. But can, can you put it up and I'll read it because I want to drill down on a few things. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Of the increase of his government and peace. So in order to partake of peace, there has to be an increase of government first, right? And you know, uh, Rachel spoke about men of peace. It's actually a very active warfare-like action to establish and land and then release peace. But that word government is only used two times in the whole of Scripture and it's in that particular verse there. That's, that's the only two times it's used. And, and it, it's the word Misra and it means an empire. It means a political entity, so a central political entity, then made up of several territories and jurisdictions that have spread themselves out and colonised, right? So uh, usually created by conquest, by usurping, right? And I'm not, I'm not uh, preaching like a Marxist-style revolution at all. Like contextually, that's not where I'm at. But um, I'm talking about connecting into a heavenly epicentre, which is the mountain of the Lord, and then from that place, multiple different assignments, multiple different people going to multiple different spheres of life and jurisdictions and fastening the dimension of the kingdom of heaven to those places. That's, that's actually um, wrapped up in that word there. So basically, yeah, uh, so let me just read it one more time. A political entity, so like a kingdom or an empire made up of several other territories and jurisdictions, usually created by conquest uh, and manifest, it's very wordy, manifest in subordinate peripheries emanating from a dominant center point. Um, what's really interesting as well is that that root, the root of that word misra is the, the name or the word Sarah. And that word actually only appears, it's not like Sarah, her, her name comes from that, but that particular word only appears three times in the whole of scripture and in every single case, uh, it's linked to Jacob. Every single case. Now, we think of Jacob and we go, wow, he was a deceiver, and that is true. But his name actually means supplanter. And, and the definition of the word supplant is one who supplants, obviously. It means displace to replace something or to supersede something. Again, it's that colonising kind of feel. And out of him came Israel, the, tw the government of heaven, the 12 tribes. Now, in every circumstance, Jacob actually carried government. Yes, he was deceptive, but he was from the womb. From pre-birth, he laid a hold of Esau's heel, you know? And then he wrestled with the angel. And he said, I won't let you go to, he exerted government over the angel. And then out of him came the kingdom of God, the 12 tribes, like the, the scriptural epitome Im imagery of government. Um, and so we can't think of him. He's actually, what's interesting is I've got here, um, in every circumstance, he carried government, whether it was over the angel or over his brother, Jacob carried something of the dynamic that is on Jesus' shoulders and that will increase and permeate throughout this dimension. 
So like I said, of the increase of his government and peace, that word's used only in, twice in that, that scripture and then it's, the root is used only three further times and it's in relation to Jacob. So again, it's so clear in scripture that we have a colonizing mandate. And, and obviously like, you know, there's so many um, parables and imagery that can be pulled from the Old Testament narrative to frame up now realities. And the most central one is the Lord commanding the Israelites to take the promised land. Like that is the story of the Old Testament. It's a colonizing, you know, they have to cast out other kingdoms. Like it's, it's, you don't necessarily in reading the scripture on face value understand the extent of struggle and warfare and tussle and strategy that was required, you know, for them to usurp and colonize that particular region. But it, it's, it's, the, it's the central Old Testament narrative. And what's really interesting is David, who carried a lot of, well, it said of the throne of David, he was known politically uh, when he took the throne, he expanded the actual physical territory of the kingdom of Israel massively. And then what happened after that? After he increased government, he had a son whose name was Solomon. Solomon means peace. The increase of his government and then his peace. There will be no end. And Solomon was able to build and establish a kingdom. There were, there's lots of interesting political nuances around Solomon, however, and he was in breach of a lot of the laws of the kings and a heavy, handed, a heavy hand on the people. However, the wealth and the abundance and the, the glory attracted all the other nations. But first it came by this like pursuit that David, David was a man of war and he was able to struggle to, to colonize. Essentially he expanded, he's known for expanding the territory of Israel. So again, it's just wrapped up. It's, it's so constant that the, the, the mandate is to colonize, not to escape, if that makes sense. And, and Dan Devar will say, God's agenda, he literally says that God's agenda is conquest, not escape. Just take another drink. Is everybody feeling okay? <clears throat> um, what's interesting as well, speaking of that same kind of principle of of laying a hold and 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 and, and governing and then establishing peace, it's leavened all throughout the rewards in Revelation. So I'm not going to read them all, but throughout Revelation, you have. All throughout Revelation 2 and 3, there's that phrase, to him who overcomes, constantly. It's said, at least in just in those, those chapters 2 and 3, it's said like about seven times. And that word overcome, it means to subdue something, to prevail over something, to conquer. Again, it's the same. It's, it's colonising. And what happens after that is, to him who overcomes, you get rewards of peace. So it's like you only get to partake of the goodness and, and you only get to sort of um, lay a hold of the richness and the fatness of the kingdom of heaven once you've pushed and have overcome, if that makes sense. And, and that's all leavened throughout Revelation. Again, it's that colonizing mandate, the rewards of peace when you administrate government. Government should be a very attractive f phrase to the church. Um, it shouldn't be associated primarily with the political. And there are some amazing people in, in, in government that I know that actually carry a spirit of government and administrate, you know, the plumb lines, just plumb lines through legislation. And there are, it's, at other times it's an absolute bureaucratic mess, subculture. But you, you, you've got to think that government is your portion. Every single person, some, some, are more government, some have mandates that are more governmental than others, but every single person in this room is posted here to administrate government. Um, now, can we deduce this further? Yes, I, I want to talk very kind of, on, 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 skip on the mountaintops with regard to um, the Lord's address of Lucifer in Scripture. 
because it actually paints a picture again of what we're part of achieving. We're actually, Dan Deval, when he came here, uh, he said that, that we're, we're, there's an earth-centred solution being provided for an ancient cosmic conflict. And you've got to understand that this dimension, this earthen dimension is the primary battleground for that and it's where that conflict ends, okay? And, and we're meant to be a part of that process. So this dimension is like the, of all the dimensions that are in existence, this physical, you know, three-dimensional paradigm is, is basically where the end of Satan is administrated. And we're part of that through colonisation. So can you put up Ezekiel 28, verse 13 to 19? Um, it says, You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, the topaz and diamond, beryl, onyx and jasper, sapphire. So all these, all these precious stones. There's so much in this that you can drill down on. But uh, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you in the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers and I established you. Really interesting. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. And by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. And therefore I, as, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God and I destroyed you. Now that word destroyed has again similar associations. It's to to absolutely destroy and usurp something. Um, I destroyed you covering cherub from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendour and I cast you to the ground. Now that word ground is literally earth. So he was sent, he was, he was relegated lower here. I laid you before kings, right? So this is not just political kings. Each of us are kings to a particular sphere. So it says, I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading. Therefore, I brought fire from your midst and it devoured you and I turned you to ashes upon the earth. That's important, that last line. In the side of, go back to that one, thank you. I turned you to ashes where? Where's his like complete demise? On the earth. So you've got to understand that there's a massive cosmic conflict that is reaching its end through our work in this dimension. Turn you to ashes, like complete overthrow, like chaff, which I'm going to get to when, when the mountain smashes the statue, rock smashes the statue and becomes a mountain that fills the whole earth. It, they become chaff. The kingdoms just get dissipated. And the, the, the point of that occurring in all dimensions, realms and heavens is on the earth. So we're, we're at the coalface of this. Um, and I had an experience, I've, I've shared before, my mountain experience, like I got caught up essentially out of body and in that place of the mountain, because he's got, he, the scripture just expressed there that he got cast out of the mountain. When I experienced and partook of the mountain, he was complete, this Satan, the enemy, pain, was completely removed from memory. Like that's the best phrase I can use, completely removed from memory. And it wasn't, I've said this many times, but it wasn't disassociative and like an amnesic wall came, came in and God was like, sorry, like that was a hard time. We'll just, you know, give you like an amnesic pill. It was that he was so overcome and the kingdom of God swallowed him up so extensively and holistically that he was completely removed from memory. Like he just couldn't, he was gone. 
and that he was just completely swallowed up by that realm of victory and that, that, that came through the worship, that spirit of overcoming, that whole realm, like, I mean, what we had at the end of that worship, if you magnify it a million times, like, it's impossible to connect with the reality of evil in that. And that was like the frequency and the vibrancy and the colour of heaven. And he was just removed. And, 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 and that's not like a future, re- it, it is a f- like in the, at the mountain, okay? It was the end of all things. It felt like the end of all things, but it was happening right now. And I knew that. And I was like, this is like the consummation of the age, but it's happening right now. So as Todd always says, we can't continue to push that end into the future. We have to engage it by faith now so that we can lay a hold of it and administrate it. And I think it, it only takes a remnant of people that connect with that and, and execute that. The Lord gave me a vision about that in the worship last week. Like he said, because I felt a bit discouraged. There's a lot going on in the world. And it's very easy to look at that and become weary. And I, I work if, for a part of the week in, a, in an office now where they have the news on 24-7. And you just hear these like, you know, this kind of false prophet coming through the airwaves. It's... And most people in this, in, in this society just subject themselves to that and believe it. So the frequency is quite low. And so you've got to connect with this higher realm of victory and overcoming so that you don't come under the prince of the power of the air. Because we have so much hope and so much victory at that mountain, which I'm going to explain. Um, I'm going to skip over the next. I did have another scripture about Lucifer, but it's in Isaiah 14. And it, it just talks about him being brought low, being reduced. Don't worry about putting it up. Um, And that's a hard thing to compute, like with a three-dimensional mind. But if you, the best way I can describe it is if you think about a cube, you can see it's got height, width, length, depth. In three dimensions, you go lower to two dimensions, it's just a square. You go lower to one dimension, just a line or a dot. See how it's, it's just getting reduced. That kind of feel, that kind of action is, I, be, I believe, is what's happening to the enemy. He's getting brought lower and lower and lower as we cast him out of dimensions. We can't, we're, to, we're called to cast him lower than this earth and redeem this dimension. And, and as, so if you think about that, I've taught that with Luminate, as a cube, it can be reduced through dimensions. I believe that's that same feel of, oh, he just gets less and less and less and he gets overcome by highness. Uh, that's, that's kind of the mandate. Does that make sense? Yeah, and we're part of a ministry. It's not just going to happen without man's action. And, and how do we know that? Because if you put up man's original mandate in, in Genesis 1 verse 26. Thank you. Um, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Just leave that up. The word dominion there is the word radar. And it basically means the same things as I've been describing, to tread something down, to prevail over something, to subjugate it and bring it low. Now that was before the fall. So it wasn't as though earth was a clean slate, perfect paradise, it wasn't. Because they were commissioned from like their first breath to have dominion and men were inherently created like our bodies are for us to feel in this dimension to execute like a triumphant mandate of relegating the enemy to lower and lower dimensions till he's no more. And so that's very, very clearly deduced even, I mean, you know, because a lot of people, they read the creation story, they don't connect with the fact like if everything was perfect, what are they being called to tread down and subjugate? So, 
And the scripture's clear that the Lord cast Satan to the earth and then he put man in the earth to continue that subjugation. That's man's mandate. Um, so again, like we've got a, we've got a colonizing mandate. Um, I don't think, I think I did give you Revelation 12. So I know there's a lot of scripture, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to really paint a very holistic picture of the mandate of man. And then within that, you find your own mandate. Um, yes. Awesome. And a war broke out in heaven. Michael, because this is referring to the fall of Lucifer again. Um, war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, again, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, again, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power, the dominion of his Christ have come, have tethered themselves here for the, for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. But they, where are we up to? Are you up to the same as me? They overcame, yeah, here we go, that's the one. But they overcame him. Again, it means to subdue to conquer, to tread down. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to death. So again, you've got this cosmic war, Satan's cast down to the earth and then who overcame him? <laughs> wow, that was very, very, uh, who, uh, yeah. <laughs> it literally says that he was cast down to the earth and they, we overcame him. We were part of his complete overthrow by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Like, so who, who did that? <laughs> right. <laughs> Christina does it every day in the exorcism room. She's casting him down lower, you know. Can I park that one there? So, and this is where, this is where a lot of people, I'm gonna put a, pose a really interesting point um, to you, and there's lots of scriptures, you know, um, that we could get into arguments with about this particular reality, and I'm happy to, just not on the stage. I'm happy. <laughs> and I and I teach a similar thing when I teach on government in Illuminate. Is that is the Earth being redeemed and restored? Like, is this dimension being restored, or is it just going to pass away? I take a, I won't take a poll. Just in case. <laughs> so you got this. This reality in Scripture where there's a, there seems a, a clear redemption of this dimension, but then there's also clear Scriptures that say it's going to pass away. So which one is it? I'm just going to take a few, a few Scriptures to nut this out, but if you put up Matthew 24, verse 35, this is Jesus speaking, you can leave it up. Uh, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Right? So heaven and earth will pass. They'll, now, if you drill down on that word pass away, it means to like, I'm going past this now. It's behind me. Like it's, it's, so it's the same word used when Jesus was on the, the sea, he walking on the sea and he passed his disciples by. He's been doing away, it's, it's done away with. So, so heaven and earth will be done away with. It's clear he said that, but his words won't. Can you put up uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, Old things have passed away, same word, and behold, all things have become new. Leave it up there. 
So, like, who in this room is a, would consider themselves a new creation? Did you, like, completely combust and disappear when you came to Jesus? No. Did you, like, fully pass away and then come back again in a completely new form? No. So I believe the same way that we're progressively restored, redeemed, brought into wholeness and healed, the same is to transpire with this earthen dimension. That's the same word. Heaven and earth will pass away when we become a new creation. We scripturally, according to the plumb line, passed away. But I don't remember fully passing away. I'm in a progressive process of rebirth and renewal right now. I believe that's exactly the same dynamic that's meant to happen with you. Now, you've got the scriptures, you know, the earth will, heavens will be wrapped up with a great shout and the earth will be consumed with fire. Well, there's lots of scriptures as well that talk about us being consumed by fire, baptise us in the Holy Spirit and fire. So there's, there's a process of refinement and purging that's meant to take place to this dimension. I personally am not of the conviction that we're to, you know, go up to heaven and then this dimension goes to hell in a handbasket. It's, it's the centre for this conflict, but it's meant to be, God so loved the world, that's not human beings, God loved the cosmos, this dimension. So that's why He gave His one and only Son. So you can see, and there's lots of other interesting scriptural nuances around that, which I, don't, I literally don't have the time to drill down on, but you've got to understand that we are sent to fix and solve and colonise. This dimension is, I personally believe it's, it's got a long life, a lot, lot of time to go, eternal life in my, in my, my view, but, and I think it's meant to be usurped and swallowed up by the kingdom of light and reintegrated into that heavenly. And, and as that happens, Satan gets relegated lower and lower and he's removed from memory. And, and what does that look like? Well, I'm gonna get to the mountain now because the mountain is central. The mountain is the most essentially, apart from the death of Jesus, which is, which is giving us access to the mountain, the mountain's like the central piece of that whole thing. Um, so can you please put up uh, Daniel 2, verse 31. To, I've got a few scriptures from Daniel. So this is Daniel talking to Nebuchadnezzar about a dream he had. It says, You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. This great image whose splendour was excellent stood before you, and its form was awesome. The image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron. I mean, there's so much you can, you can study out in this. Its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. And you watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floor. I mean, what did the Lord say before? He'll turn you to ashes upon the earth when he was talking to Satan. Chaff and ashes are different, but it's the same imagery of complete destruction and kind of waste. And the stone that struck the image became a, a great mountain and filled. <laughs> there you go. So filled and permeated this entire dimension. The mountain of the Lord was, it, it struck the statue on its feet. It absolutely disintegrated it. And then it became a mountain that permeated itself filled. It perme filling is progressive. It permeated itself out until it filled this whole dimension. Um, can you go to 44 to 45 of Daniel? Yeah. This is a later scripture in that, in that chapter. And in the days of these kings, of those kingdoms, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom 
which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces, which is again, crumble, crush, make powder and consume all these kingdoms. It'll completely usurp them, right? And it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain, that's important. You see, the stone was cut out of the mountain. It was a portion of the mountain, right? What I wanna draw from that is that every single person in this room has a portion of the mountain that they're called to land and tether here. And it's the same for everybody. You have an overarching call and and some are different and and more attached to different spheres of life, but most of us, every single one in this room has an assignment out, out, out of this church. So, and you've got to see that as God's work. You can't see it as, oh, I've got to get rid of my job so I can get into the church. It doesn't work like that. We have to be active in colonising and spreading the culture of heaven outward. Um, That's why the church has become almost irrelevant because they've made themselves a subculture and protestant and isolated themselves from what's actually really happening. So, So that... And I'm not beating up on the church because, no, no, I'm not, I'm not. I'm saying that there's been, I'm not. The Lord showed me that in worship last week. He showed me how, how real and how valuable, like I was just in tears in worship because he, he, his heart of value for what we do here was just immense. So what we do here in prayer and intercession and worship is just cutting through the heavens like nothing else and permitting the release of scrolls and assignments and empowering us to go out. It's, it's not valueless, so please don't hear that in what I'm saying. I'm just saying that a lot of people kind of think that their lives are worthless and they're kind of just biding time till heaven and they're not in the church, so it mustn't be holy. It doesn't, you've got to, yeah, expand your perspective of what is God's work. Um, and then the last scripture I'm gonna put up is, well, not the last scripture I'm gonna put up, one of the last before I sort of, (laughs) before I talk about faith, the fight of faith, is um, Isaiah 25. Talking about the mountain again. Um, And in this mountain, The Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of choice pieces, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things, sorry, fat things full of marrow. And that was just a very unfortunate time to pause. Of well-refined wines on the lees, and he will, and he will destroy, again, it's that, it's that, destructive, usurping reality. He will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering. That's really interesting. The veil, it's like an order. You know, it talks about prince of the power of the air. It talks about the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. They currently dominate the airwaves. It's, it's creating a veil that's over the people, right? And, and you've got to think that, I mean, it says, um, basically culture, actually Dan Duval says that society is a program that's instilled into people and they outwork it. A lot of what is, is actually emanating from internal. And so we have to be very, very, very intentional as a church and as the body to continue to permeate and, and completely go through those airwaves because they are, they are basically from those airwaves are the, are the overarching structures that, that mankind live according to. So on that mountain, he will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering, that word actually means veil, cast over all the people and the veil that is spread over all nations. And then it says, he will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears
appears from all faces and the rebuke of his people. That means like the shame and the disgrace of his people. He'll take away from the earth for the Lord has spoken. You can put that, you don't have to put the next one up. Um, so again, there's like this reality of this mountain completely swallowing up. And literally in some translations, I don't know if it said it there. Did it say he will swallow up the veil? He will destroy. If you drill down on he will destroy the veil, it's, it's he will swallow up in some translations. Again, it's like what happened, you know, when Britain colonised much of the world, they just swallowed it up in their culture. Now, I'm not advocating for all the pain that that brought, but I'm just saying that that kind of picture is actually what we're called to do. Um, and so I don't have time to go into the seven mountains at all. I, I, I completely advocate for that teaching in many respects. I think it's got a very like, strong scriptural underlay. Um, there's, it, it clearly says in Revelation that the great harlot, who's fornicated with the kings of the earth, uh, um, is, is permeating seven mountains. It actually uses that express language. Um, and so they have to, she has to be dispossessed from them. But I don't have time to go into that. What I do have time and what I wanna land on is if you can put up that 1 Timothy 6 verse 12 scripture again that says, fight the good fight of faith. I don't know if we can have, just, just that first line there. Um, I've already talked about what fighting, I mean, everything that I just said is the fight, you know. But faith uh, is very important to that reality. And faith, like I said, yes, if you drill down on it, it can, it can, mean, can mean like belief, mean trust, but it has, it has a, an, a strong connotation with the reality of allegiance, right? The reality of um, loyalty, actually it specifically says lo- loyalty to a cause, fidelity to like a, an overarching sort of mandate. Um, and if you look at Hebrews 11, and I'm going to read some of them, now, and I might get us to stand up and put some pads on and whatnot, we might read the last portion together. Can you put some pads on and some relatively high frequency ones? That'd be good. <laughs> we can, I'll tell you, yeah, I'll give you a thumbs up. Yeah, that's good. Do you guys think that's okay? Keep you relatively high frequency? We're gonna make you go emotional? <laughs> what do you think? What's the consensus? You happy? Okay. Okay. So it talks about the heroes of the faith, the heroes of this allegiance. And I've talked at length about saluting a flag. There's that, that kind of, that, that is wrapped up in this word. Because when you salute a flag, you're like, I am a soldier. When they look at their nation's flag, they are sold out to that cause. Their life is completely laid down for it. In theory, that's, that's what a salute is. It's like I'm acknowledging my inferior rank uh, and my submission to my homeland. But it actually says, I'm just gonna speed read through, through some and then I'll get us to stand up and we'll read some together. But it says, by faith. Now, when I say faith, think of that allegiance, that kind of heart connect to our homeland. That's a reality. Um, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By faith, by this, this heart connect, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear prepared an ark for the saving of his household. household. (laughs) By faith, by this high connect, Abraham obeyed when he was called. You've got to think, we've got many great exploits that we have to perform, many. Like this room, every single person in this room, there are many, many, many great exploits of conquest that the Lord has uh, pre-written for you to execute 
every single person. And you go like, that seems like such a massive task because it is, it's a fight, it's a struggle. That's, Rachel said a great quote last week. She said, just because it's hard, it doesn't mean it's not God. So we go into spheres, it's like, oh, it's a bit of a battle. Like it mustn't be the Lord. No, like it says, fight, struggle, you know? And it actually says in that Scripture about the Paul saying to Timothy, it says, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ. That's actually part and parcel of that whole dynamic. So just because it causes pain, just because it's a struggle, just because it's hard, it doesn't mean it's not the mandate of God. In fact, the mandates of God will produce all those things because you're gonna have to contest with whatever's actually currently sitting in the gate of the territory that you're trying to take. So, so don't get scared of you know like pain. It's just part of territory taking. But these heroes of the faith, they did it. Why did they do it? How did they do it? How did they execute such great exploits? Well, it says by allegiance, by connection to this mountain, I believe, and I'll I'll get to that. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he would receive as as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going, but by faith, he he goes, I'm consumed with this. Like I'm consumed with heaven. So by faith, because remember um, fight, it means you have to lay a hold of something here to land it here. You have to first lay a hold and be consumed to actually bring it. Um, And Todd's been speaking on this for weeks, like being consumed with the mountain. But he says, by faith, yeah, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with his sons. um, For he waited, listen to this, for the city which has its foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So he was doing that knowing there's a kingdom that's landing here. He, he was able to execute all that. It says literally expressly there, he was waiting for a city or a mountain which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. It says, by faith, Sarah also received strength to conceive seed and she bore, bore a child when she was past the age. These, these men of old, it says they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things, this is important, declare plainly that they seek a homeland. They're aware of our homeland manifesting here. That's what they're seeking, right? It says, and, and, if, and truly if they had called to mind that country which they'd come out, they would have had the opportunity to return. In other words, like they could, have, they could have fallen back into their own kind of comfortable ways. But it says, but now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country, a fatherland, a native town, a native home. So they're very connected and consumed. They were, and I'm gonna, why don't we just stand up? Cause I'm gonna, we're gonna read some scripture together. Um, They were consumed with the mountain realities, that victory, that overcoming, that realm of glory. And that was what enabled them to execute such great acts of colonising in this dimension. And actually, it actually says, I lift my eyes to the hills from where comes my help. Help is aid. It's your provision for scroll. You have to lift your eyes to the mountain. It actually says, Todd quotes it all the time, Obadiah 1 verse 17. Uh, on the mountain, there will be deliverance and the house of Jacob, like the supplanter, uh, the house of Jacob will possess their possessions. Your provision, your scroll, your assignments, it's all there, all the provision. I lift my eyes to the mountain of the Lord where my aid comes from, where my help, you know, where, where you don't just get, you don't get posted without provision. You don't get, like, and, and, if, and, if, and if something is not right and you don't have vision and you don't have insight into assignments, and you feel like you're lacking in provision, it is all at the mountain, it's nowhere else. So you have to throw yourself, lay a hold of that reality because that's how it says the heroes of the faith perform great exploits. That is the way, they were obsessed with the homeland. So can you put up, we're gonna read this together, Hebrews 11 uh, verse 32 to 39. 
Okay, read with me, ready? And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith, through faith, yeah, <laughs> subdued kingdoms, there you go again, subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, because the mountain hasn't permeated yet. Next. No, that's the same one we just read. Do not receive the promise. Next one. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. So there's a reality, you can take that down, that they were part of, we know like soldiers, when they're posted, different soldiers go in at different times to execute different things in a dimension. And, and we have our posting now, but they are eagerly watching. You know, that's why it says we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses because we're their legacy and they are fully invested with the permeation of this dimension with the mountain of the Lord. That is literally why it literally expressly says that they went through what they went through because their eyes were set on this time. Their eyes were set on the swallowing up of the darkness of the enemy. Their eyes were set on the mountain of the Lord crushing the, the, the rock, crushing the statue on its feet and becoming a mountain that then permeates this whole dimension. So. I'm gonna pray over you guys because I said, I said before that uh, when it was a stone cut without hands, it was a portion of the mountain that smashed the statue on its feet and filled the whole earth. So like I said, each of us have a particular portion of the mountain, particular sphere, a particular rock that we're meant to cut out of the mountain of the Lord and to land and fill the earth with. Does that make sense? Okay, so I'm gonna pray for the release of revelation around that because we are in such a, it is high time to wage war in this dimension. It seriously is. Like it's, it's that's the thing, the, 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 the alarms are, are ringing and it is high time to wage war and there'll be acceleration and grace for the execution of these assignments. But we have to basically, if you're standing up, you don't have to do it, but make it firstly, we're going to worship for a little bit in a sec, but make a commitment before the Lord that you're going to fight the good fight of faith. It's like, yes, I will struggle for this. Yes, I will wage war. Yes, I will, through allegiance to the mountain of the Lord, I will, I will fight for you, Lord. I will lay a hold of my particular stone. I'll bring it out of Mount Zion and I will fill this earth with it. That's the mandate of man. So if you just wanna lift your voice for a second, I just wanna, I just wanna stir something up. Lord, I thank you. Can you just put the pads up real loud? Holy.
Keep lifting your voice. Holy, holy, holy. Just lay a hold of the mountain. Lay a hold. Lay a hold of the mountain. Just go into that holy place. Ascend the holy hill of the Lord. Ascend the holy hill of the Lord. I lift my eyes to the mountain of God. I just thank you, Lord, for empowerment and grace for that colonising mandate. I thank you for empowerment and grace for that colonising mandate. I thank you that every person here under the sound of my voice has a particular stone that is to be cut from the mountain, that is to be administrated and fastened to this dimension designed to fill it with your government. I thank you, Lord, it says that of the increase of your government and of your peace, there will be no end of the increase of your government and of your peace, there will be no end. Of the increase of your government and of your peace, there will be no end. And I thank you, Lord, for the outworking of your government through this body, for the destruction of the works of the enemy through this body, for the relegation of Satan lower and lower and lower until he is entirely removed from memory, Lord. I thank you that it says in your word that death is swallowed up in victory, that death is swallowed up in victory, that death is swallowed up in victory. And I just thank you, Lord, for that reality. I just bless your body with mandate, with assignment and with connection to the mountain of the Lord. 
Lord Jesus, you can keep going, you can take your communion, but as far as I'm concerned, it's dismissed.